0: that's italian for welcome to that's good sports this is that's good sports podcast i am here with william keyseth and i am brandon pernith in 2020 you have to add a th to the end of your names to make it sound fancier will keys and i have decided that for this podcast to be successful it needs more fancy
1: that's the one thing we don't have yet is class yeah, and elegance and yeah. uh, being good at podcasting.
0: Yes. And those are the being... only
1: three things we don't have. Also uh, good equipment, the physical, <laughs> I could go on, but why do that? Oh, yeah,
0: I should just, I need to buy you a, a good mic. Like I have,
1: we need to buy a studio and we fly in for every episode. <laughs> we don't relocate, but we do fly in.
0: No, we'll, We'll buy a studio in Las Vegas, and we'll fly to Vegas every week so we can be around the sports uh, betting world, like in the the hub of it all, where we don't do any sports betting, but we talk about it like we do.
1: Yeah, they're probably trying to sell like Jeffrey Epstein's Jet, and so I'm sure we could get it for a good price. Obviously, don't use it for the same purpose, but just take it. I don't know how – logistically, this doesn't make sense at all, but I like where our brains are at.
0: I agree. Sorry, I, uh, I'm wearing a hat today because my hair was unmanageable
1: yeah.
0: and I've got, you know, shit in the background as always. So really this fancy thing, not, not a good start. No. Not no, a good no. start.
1: That's okay. It is. No.
0: It's going to be a, a solid episode though. Um, we're going to do a little bit of a Broncos season wrap up, recap. And then we'll get into all of the wildcard game predictions, previews, whatever the fuck you want to call it, uh, from our expert minds that are coming up this weekend. And a little bit of an announcement. I think Adam Rank will be joining us for next week's podcast. Uh, So should be pretty, pretty good.
1: Season 10 of Curb Your Enthusiasm coming. Yes. On the way, John Hamm is going to be on the show. And we're gonna have John John Hamm on the podcast to promo the new season, yeah. so, and also the new season of Mad Men. They're bringing it back. Is John Hamm on Twitter? Uh probably. I know he used to be on Deadspin as a commenter. Oh wow! Yeah, <laughs>
0: that's great. Well, everybody should start tweeting John Hamm. Thanks in advance for joining the That's Good Sports podcast to promote Curb Your Enthusiasm. <laughs> we're so excited to hear what you have to say
1: about the NFL. Yeah. He'll like call his publicist and be like, "Did you book me for this?" Did you book and me for this bullshit. He or she will probably just not remember and say yes. Yeah. Did you know that um, <laughs> Dave Dameshek beat John Hamm in their fantasy football championship? Oh wow! John Hamm versus good friend of our next. See, this is how we pull it off because rank. We have rank on the show. Rank used to be on the Dave Dameshek football podcast. Dave Dameshek. <laughs> Beat John Ham in their fantasy football league championship. That's two degrees of separation yeah. right there. We get John Ham on the show um, pretty easy, honestly. Easier than I thought it would be.
0: That's uh, yeah. That's a big. Um, that would be a big get for us. Which and leads to me
1: doing the John Ham impression to his face. Yeah. Can you give it, give everybody just a little taste again, Will? Why would Why would John Ham come? on the podcast and the choice to come on any sports podcast. It, st- it starts to sound too much like Barack Obama, but <laughs> uh, maybe. we're going to do all or, an all or nothing parody one of these days, probably when all or nothing comes out.
0: Yeah. Uh, the Jameis Winston 30 for 30 just went up on my other YouTube channel. Yeah, uh, I would say Will Keys. It's my, it was my idea that I forced Will to write, but 75% of those gems, 80%, all Will keys, all Will keys banging that shit out for me. Yeah, Uh, you only did,
1: you only did the, uh, the idea, the, um, part of the writing, the editing, yeah, pulling the clips. All the easy stuff. Sharing it to, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, rendering it, you know. It's just
0: like... I had the idea, but I delegated you to craft the idea. So much easier than crafting it yourself, you know? Right, right. That's the hardest thing. By this, like, the last four weeks of trying to write football jokes that you've been just pounding all season long already. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just like, ah, how many, how many fucking ways can we make fun of Jameis Winston for starting the game with an interception or? Uh, what else was this year? I mean, we've done Philip Rivers kids jokes for three straight years, so that's yep. you know that's easy to force in. Um,
1: obviously, the just like dolphins stuff, you know, horse oh, cock. Yeah,
0: dolphins horsecock cock lock. Uh, speaking of horsecock lock, will Broncos wrapped up their season seven and nine uh, as Ryan Koenigsberg tweeted. The last thing the Raiders ever did was lose, the Oakland Raiders ever did was lose to the Denver Broncos. That's right. Um, here's what, before we get into to the Broncos season, my question for you since you live so close to Oakland, uh, I feel like you kind of have a soft spot for the 49ers. Are you a little bit of a Niners fan?
1: Um, last time they were good, no. Not really. Well, I guess I did root for them against the Ravens just because that was right off of that Broncos Ravens game. But yeah, um, one half of my family is uh, Niners fans. Yeah, Forty Nine er affiliated. What about so, the
0: What about the Raiders?
1: No, pure no, hate. Don't have any. Don't have any family that's uh, that is a single Raiders fan. Um. Aside from the fact that my brother used to work for the Raiders, but oh, that's right, we don't talk about that. <laughs>
0: I remember we talked about that when we all got drunk on yeah. beers.
1: That's true. Yeah, so that's really it. Um, Raiders fans, uh, I've always said they're not as not as bad as um, the rep they get. <laughs> people make them out to be nationally. They just look scary. They look scary. They're mostly lawyers and and doctors and and proctologists. You know, proctologists that need a release and they basically cosplay at these games <laughs> yeah. tough, and then where <laughs> button up suits.
0: Yeah. They're very the submissive
1: release. actually.
0: Yeah. They have too much control during the day. And then on Sundays they want to be told <laughs> what to do.
1: That being said, I'm sad that they're moving to Las Vegas. Yeah. I don't know.
0: Uh, I'm kind of excited to go to a game there. I think. Uh, the stadium's right next to the Strip, so it's really convenient for that. Oh, yeah, the Broncos might be playing in London this next season. And mm-hmm. already got Broncos Europe trying to get me to go to London. So, As did I.
1: As did I. Uh, maybe that will happen. Maybe we'll do that, though. Yeah, I mean, I can't see why not. Um, I know my way around the British Isles. Um, you should go will have we'll have legions of adoring fans. We'll do a live podcast on Radio Row at the <laughs> Super Bowl. Um, the London's not at the the Super Bowl. Oh, it's not. Okay, uh, <laughs> that'd be cool though
0: to do a London. Maybe that's how I should do the international.
1: Yeah, and we do it all in all in British accents. Um, yeah. Whatever. Would you? That's a good idea. And it? the most important part is we wouldn't have to wake up early to watch the game. <laughs> to no, the it'd be time. right on time. Yeah. Right on time. So that way we can drink.
0: Ever see an untucked button-down? They look bad. Why? Because they weren't meant to be worn that way. Thankfully, there's Untuck It, the original button-down shirt actually designed to be worn untucked. No matter your size or shape, Untuck it shirts always fall at the perfect untucked length. And with the holidays near, there's no better gift for your favorite guy who needs an upgrade. With more than 50-plus fit combinations, Untuck it shirts look great on tall, short, slim, and athletic guys of all ages. You can find your favorite Untuck it style online or check out one of their 80 brick-and-mortar stores. Choose from styles like wrinkle-free button-downs, super soft flannels, outerwear, and more. And their website is so easy, they even have a whole page devoted to helping you find your fit. So whether you're shopping for the perfect holiday gift or just trying to craft a small, relaxed style of your own, Untuckit is the way to go. Visit untuckit.com and use code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's untuckit.com and promo code BLUE for 20% off. Uh all right, so the Broncos did beat the Raiders sixteen to fifteen in a game where all of the all of the big calls went against the Raiders, which was very nice to see. Yes. Uh, they they missed a field goal, they just did they got in their own way. Um Drew Locke, four and one as a starter, right? He was the least sacked Broncos quarterback, not just this season, but over like the last lots of seasons. Probably since Peyton Manning, is yeah. I think his sack rate was like three point three percent or something. And but if you like, if you if you were somebody who wasn't watching him play and just looked at his stats, you you would go, he looks like every other Broncos QB that they've had, right? Like his stats yeah. <clears throat> outside that Texans game. Not right. super impressive. Uh, but didn't if turn you, the ball
1: over there, that's a that's one big stat that stuck out. Yeah, never fumbled. Um, no fumbling, didn't throw, a, didn't throw a pick the last <clears throat> two games, never threw multiple interceptions in a game. That's important. yeah, so
0: less sacks, fewer turnovers, and can extend plays, has the big arm. So if you watch him, like you notice those things, and I think that's like why Broncos fans are so excited about Drew Locke. Mm. Um, it. Because the, the production, I think, will get there at a, at a consistent sort of rate. But it's just like when they, when they say the eye test thing, that's kind of – Drew Locke's a really good example uh, of that so far. And it's a, it's a small sample size, but I think it's – Broncos fans have a reason to be very optimistic about, you know, what he can do as he sort of learns to play quarterback.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And we saw we, we really saw the offense flourish uh, as far as play calling. The play calling, I thought, was a little too predictable at the end of the season, aside from some pretty cool plays like that option on fourth and one against the Lions right. and then that shovel pass to Deshaun Hamilton. I thought, you know, they got creative, but at the same time, their sequencing was a little off. It felt like you knew that they're running inside on every single first and ten and that kind of put them behind the eight ball a little bit. Um, But aside from that, you know, we got to see the playbook open up because there's a quarterback that was athletic enough to to really run those plays that, you know, Joe Flacco and Brandon Allen did to an extent. He's more athletic than Joe Flacco, but obviously Locke is the most – like the quickest and the the most spry of them all.
0: Yeah, I think like after – you know, it, it, you already mentioned this, but thinking about kind of what the how the Forty Niners have had success, I think a, a thing the Broncos are are definitely going to try and target this off season is getting another dynamic running back into the mix. Yeah, and you saw him even use like Devontae Booker more the last few weeks, and he was like decent back there. A decent
1: receiving back. Yeah, I don't, I don't expect that they'll keep him, but
0: no. But I think they need somebody who. Because Philip Lindsay, I, I mean, I, I think I read that he's going to be working with Christian McCaffrey this off season to improve his receiving game.
1: thought you going to say improve his whiteness?
0: <laughs> but uh, but Royce Freeman's like the guy they threw to more, but he's yeah. not like
1: a great. Yeah, he's not really a guy that you want in open space if you could choose right. up three.
0: Yeah, he's the the guy you want running like between the the tackles or you know inside. Yeah, and he hasn't
1: been that. As good at that as he was last season, I think.
0: Yeah, so it's it's, you know, Lindsey. Neither Lindsey or Freeman feels like the the full package yet, and that's not to say that either guy can't get there. I, I really think Philip Lindsey could yeah, be that. Yeah, but... we're
1: talking about a guy that's run for a thousand yards in back-to-back seasons. Right. They really no, tried to. They really tried to take away that thousand yards at the end, but <laughs> yeah, they tried their hardest. But like,
0: you just want somebody who. What, when they're in the backfield, you have to fear he can beat you on the run or in the pass game, or somebody's just like, I don't know. I'm thinking kind of with San Francisco, like Raheem Mostert just became like a touchdown machine for them. And so uh, they had Mostert, they had, you know, McKinnon got hurt again, there's Matt Brita, uh Yeah, and
1: I think is a restricted free agent, I believe. Oh, okay, yeah. So, so it, there's and some familiarity the there. But him. Yeah. that's
0: a piece I think the Broncos will look to kind of add in addition to possibly another wide-receiving target.
1: I think definitely another wide-receiving target. Although, offensive- you know, you got to give it up for Deshaun Hamilton on the way he played the last two games, really salvaged what was a disappointing season otherwise.
0: Yeah, I mean – Drew Locke just threw him the ball a ton, and he's looking like the guy we thought he might be. So him, Sutton, Patrick, Tim Patrick, I think can be that other guy, but I don't know. It's just not consistent, whether that's him or just targets or whatever. But it feels like to compete with the Chiefs, the Broncos need some more speed on their their offense. And I think that's kind of like a general consensus among – anybody who's talking about them. Offensive line help, obviously. And I think defense, you're looking corner and defensive line because it looks like Chris Harris is going to be gone. And we learned that the Broncos offered him like a three-year, $36 million deal before the trade deadline this season. And he didn't want to take it. He felt like they were pressuring him to take the money or some they were really pressuring him you know to take 36 fucking million dollars <laughs> Pressure, yeah, i know uh and yeah. i lo- what, i love chris yeah. harris been one of my favorite players for the broncos for a long time but it just seems like he's kind of done here
1: yeah and the last couple of seasons like he's been i don't want to say like uh a diva but because he's not but like damn like we really hear about it yeah
0: he's not <laughs> it's like he he turned into kind of I don't know
1: a guy who is honest, very vocal, like kind of in the I don't want to say in the wrong way because you have the right to talk about it, but yeah.
0: But now he's honest in the way he likes to mush. take shots at the Broncos organization. Yeah, and they, and I'm not even saying he's wrong. It's just when I over you, I think over the last two seasons, like when you hear him talk, you're like, oh, this feels like a guy who hates being here a little bit. Yeah, I
1: know. It's like well, or he's just
0: frustrated with losing. Like I course. get it. It's I'm not trying to shit on Chris Harris, but uh, it feels like he will probably be best served in a new situation. And as much as it's going to suck to lose him, the crazy thing is the way that the, you know, I think Vic Fangio and Ed Donatel got production out of the Broncos secondary, I feel confident that they can replace that. And I did not feel that way when Vance Joseph was here.
1: No, they definitely need the target corner. Um, Whether they'll do that in the first round, I don't know. Probably not. You like to think you can't really – here's the thing is they need help on the O-line, and they have help, um, but it's on IR and Jawan James, and you can't count on him to be healthy, just like you can't count on Bryce Callahan to come back good as new either. Although you would think based on the money you paid him – uh, they would try as hard as they can. It's just you can't, you know, you can't leverage everything on their health because no. clearly it's not, uh, it's not a given like it is for a lot of other players on the team. And I actually think that defensive line is pretty solid um, when you consider. Well, it depends. They the, have the depth they have there.
0: Derek Wolfe uh, and Shelby Harris, both unrestricted free agents.
1: So, And I think they'll get one of them back.
0: Yeah, I think you have to bring Shelby Harris back.
1: Yeah, but Um, I I think uh, Draymond Jones proved that he's a starter. Yeah, Um, no, he started to look really solid. Uh, I don't think Mike Purcell's going anywhere. He played well really all season. Yeah. Obviously, he was a big reason why the defense turned around after that Jaguars game. So, I mean, there's –
0: it's like – I feel like defense, they're going to just find – they're going to find guys. And even – I think a a story – is uh, that's maybe under the radar a little bit the coaching of Isaac Yadam like he looked horrible at the beginning of the season felt like they stuck with him too long and then he earned his way back into being basically like a a starter at corner and he played better like not perfect but I think it just speaks to (laughs) they're going to coach players Properly and get the best out of them. So, um, again, we—I don't think any of us felt that right. way when Vance Joseph and Joe Woods were, you know, running the defense. Um,
1: yeah, and you should get Devonte Bosby back, who looked really good uh, before he got hurt in—I want to say week five. Yeah. So, and
0: I, I think there are there are definitely corners they can draft. Bryce Callahan's injury compared to like Juwan James, a little bit different. Because it seems like – because he had a a screw put in his ankle, and it never healed right. So he got that fixed. So I think there's a little bit more optimism that, like, just the surgery either wasn't done right or, you know, they didn't give it enough time to heal, and that maybe that ankle can be better. Juwan James, to me, he's – I think it was uh, Nicky Jabala's article in The Athletic revealed, like, he – suffered three different knee injuries, like two MCL sprains or slight tears and a meniscus sprain or tear. So that makes you worried that his ligaments are just, he's a big guy. And once those things start to happen, you fear they're just going to keep happening. Whether that's true or not, I don't know, but I would be a little more optimistic about Bryce Callahan being able to get healthy then it feels like maybe Juwan James.
1: And that kind of just, like, proves how good Drew Locke was at managing the pocket, given that, you know, we, we all have to take shots at Garrett Bowles and probably deservedly so for the turnovers. Um, but he wasn't a turnstile at left tackle like the replacements at right tackle were in Elijah Wilkinson and Jake Rodgers and basically whoever was playing there. Um, but, you know, even then, like he, like you said, he only got sacked a couple times over the last two weeks. So Yeah.
0: <clears throat> I think, like, maybe the most impressive, pr- impressive thing about Drew Locke is that he played pretty good football, and he got the worst version of the yeah. Broncos' right side of the offensive line. <laughs> like,
1: Yeah, well, it makes you think about, like, how much of – uh sacks are on the quarterback versus how much are right. on the offensive line um because we kind of went through that experiment with Peyton Manning and got to see that firsthand how much a good quarterback uh can really make an offensive line look competent um and then you know when you put Brock Osweiler in who doesn't necessarily feel comfortable changing the plays or doesn't know where the pass rush is coming from all the time then you get you know five Khalil Mack sacks um Right, But, you know, you, you like to think, too, you're not changing offensive coordinators. You're not changing the playbook. Drew Locke should be able to come in. We, you know, we see how well he does when he's got time to study. And you see, like, how, how well he takes advantage of uh, time off. So, you know, you hope that another year with the same playbook and he's able to to understand things even more. Hopefully, yeah. Peyton and accepts some uh, – protection calls into his brain as well.
0: Right, cuz he's going to work with Peyton Manning. Um the playing time for him was huge. Uh, another off season just with the playbook and another another off season for uh Rich Stangarello like yeah. He should be a better play caller next year.
1: Of course, you know? yeah. That's why it was stupid really at any point to think that he shouldn't be <laughs> that he should get fired.
0: Well, it's, uh, yeah, that's just like the – it's just a reaction culture yeah. of sports fans. And in the NFL, it just feels – so many firings happen every year when things aren't going right. You just think that's the way to go. Um, and the Broncos have been through it too many times. So, it'll be nice to have some continuity and consistency heading into the yeah. next season.
1: Until Rich Skanger Calls plays too well that he gets hired as a head coach.
0: Yeah, no shit. Like, uh I, think when I was, problem. When I was working on the coaching episodes, uh, it was like right before John Dorsey got fired by the Browns. But there was – I think, you know, from Rappaport or Schefter or something said that Cleveland was going to fly to San Francisco to interview uh, the defensive coordinator – Robert Sala, right? That's the name? Robert yeah. Sala? Robert Sala, the run game coordinator, and the passing game coordinator. They were going to interview three different guys for their, their head coaching position. Uh, I don't know if that changed, you know, now that they fired John Dorsey. But it's like, that's the thing that sucks in the NFLs when your team is really good, your offense and defensive coordinator yeah, they are get po- poached. for being taken. The, the Ravens are looking at the same thing.
1: Uh, Well, okay, the the Wink Martindale thing is – oh, man, I don't know about that one. He was our defensive coordinator back in 2010, and that defense was truly abominable. That defense got carved up by John Skelton. You know
0: what really makes good coordinators is when they have good players.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I know.
0: So what you do – if you're a coordinator, what you do is you stay with your good players, your good nucleus, as long as you can, and then when you see them about to sort of fall off, you take take a head coaching position.
1: Yeah, on a team with good players.
0: Right, because then it looks like uh, you were more important to the players than you really were as that team's defense or offense sucks when you're gone. And, uh, you know, if it fails head coach, who cares? You're just like every other – most every other head coach.
1: But if your defense looks
0: (laughs) – If your defense looks great after you leave, like uh, Gus Bradley and Dan Quinn in Seattle, or, you know, examples where just really good players all together, uh, I don't know. You just got to ride that shit out.
1: Right. And, of course, the Browns are going to, you know, they're going to swing too far to the other side of the pendulum here. And... You know, they tried their hand with a, a super inexperienced quarterback coach, and Freddie Kitchens realized that was stupid because he, you know, he doesn't know what he's doing, and like probably like it's hard to blame him. Of course, yeah. you're going to take that position uh, as a head coach because you know when is that ever going to come up again? Maybe never.
0: When is probably like a million dollar raise not going yeah. to be taken? <laughs>
1: You have to take it, um, regardless if you suck or not. So you, you know, I don't blame Freddie Kitchens uh, for sucking. He really just wasn't ready. He got put in a bad position, but now they're going to hire someone like Mike McCarthy, who got run out of Green Bay because his offense was, you know, too archaic.
0: Because he couldn't, yeah, he couldn't figure out how to get the most out of Aaron Rodgers.
1: Right, and that you know that's why, obviously, I don't want to say war out is welcome, but it was just a natural end, I think, in Green Bay. But at the same time, it's like, you know, you don't necessarily have to go from one extreme to the other. You can just get a guy who's, like, got some experience and represents kind of the, the way that offenses in the NFL are heading or, you know, have to hire an offensive guy necessarily. You have to hire the right offensive coordinator too. Right. I don't know. The, the moral of the story is the Browns have no idea what they're doing. <laughs> no.
0: As usual, Freddie Kitchens is a good example of a guy who honestly is probably would just be best as a lifelong offensive coordinator. But yeah, for to even be like, he was
1: never an offensive coordinator. That's no, he was
0: like a half a season of taking over that role, right? (laughs) Right. Um, So, if given the time to be an offensive coordinator for a few years. Then Mm -hmm. I think you can get a better gauge on whether he would be a good head coaching candidate. Um, So uh, the Browns will be going with uh, John D Podesta now as the guy who's going to hire their next head coach.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So he was um, famously, he's the Jonah Hill character from Moneyball. Not exactly, but um, kind of a composite uh, of a lot of, A's front office executives, but he, yeah, he came up with um, part of the the software and idea behind Moneyball, and really like the most revolutionary uh, set of ideas in sports um, in the last twenty five years. So he is a guy that you want leading the charge, I think, for your team. Um, and I think if they stick with him long enough over a long enough timetable. Um, that will work out for them. Obviously, I think that they're a, they're just a they're fucked because they have bad ownership and they have a bad organization, and it's hard to overcome that um, for yeah. a, you know for a sustained period of time. It's like you know you see the Redskins make the playoffs one a couple times a decade, but at the same time, like you you don't see them go back to back because organizationally they're just not that consistent and they're they're too flawed kind of from the core. Uh, and, you know, the, the teams that you see with long-term success all have really good ownership.
0: Yeah, and that's like the biggest fear with the Broncos situation right now. Right. And because, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's the top. So everything trickles down from there, just like in economics. Uh, and if the, the, your owner is bad, they're going to make shitty decisions over and over again. Uh, whether that's hiring the wrong people, or not giving who could possibly be the right people long enough to, you know, turn that's your franchise around too, yeah. or whatever. And that's why, like, with Jacksonville, they're, them keeping Doug Marone, I know they got criticized quite a bit for that. But, like, to me, that makes more sense than trying to bring in a, another coaching staff. They, You know, they did make a chain and change in getting rid of Tom Coughlin – which seemed like exactly. the right thing to do once we learned <laughs> how much he was finding players for bullshit because he's an old man. But
1: Yeah, and that's the uh, thing. If you have identified Tom Coughlin as the problem uh, and you've seen Doug Marone have success as a coach with uh, you know a flawed roster, to say the least, wouldn't you want to give Doug Marone the chance uh, to work without that shadow hanging right. over his head?
0: Because we've seen him do a pretty good coaching job. And,
1: yeah, um, in Buffalo and in uh, and in Jacksonville, which are yeah. two notoriously tough places to win. <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, but you want to talk about these playoff games? Hmm?
1: I would love to. Just Speaking a, of the Buffalo Bills.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: They are in the playoffs. And they will be playing the Houston Texans in the annual Houston Bowl, uh, the Saturday wildcard game, uh, because the NFL is just uh, fucking trolling us by putting the, the Texans in the Saturday afternoon slot yet again. It is, there. It is truly – got to give it up to them for just owning this day of the week, owning uh, Saturday afternoons.
0: Yeah, that first or second Saturday in January – Belongs to Houston.
1: It's Houston Day, baby. This is a good game, though. I think this is a better game. I don't think it will be a beautiful game to watch necessarily because the Bills don't play. God no. Gorgeous looking football. I think it might be ugly, but at the same time, I think it will be a fairly evenly matched game. Um, Yeah, this is. Teams are really, really competitive.
0: This is a toss-up. And Houston, they're two and, a half point, two and a half point favorites, and they're at home. So they're really not favored. Uh, it's Vegas's best guess. And I don't know. It's the, the, the Bills' defense obviously proved that they are legitimately one of the best defenses in the league. Josh Allen this season has improved enough – to make Buffalo competitive. Um, And like the Patriots, the Bills, they benefited from a very easy schedule, specifically through the first half of the season, which has led me to believe if you can have a really easy schedule, it is a good thing in the NFL. And that at the end of the season, if you could just play basically two tough teams at the end of November and December to prepare yourself for the playoffs, that is the best way to get in. Um, yeah, that way you get a you you get like an extended preseason. Really helps your team come together if they're winning against shittier competition. Uh, a lot of people are like, "Oh, you got to play good competition all year." Bullshit. Play the easiest nope. fucking schedule possible. Two tough teams in December,
1: you're ready to go. Well, I mean, yeah, the you know the Patriots are living proof that. Yeah strength of schedule does not matter in the playoffs. Yeah. Of course, exactly. then they get, they always get easy matchups in the playoffs, too. So, oh, always. To you, you, know, know. We, you know, if only Unless we they had to play, play the Jaguars in AFC title games.
0: If they had to play a good team in the playoffs, like the Broncos mm. or the Ravens, they lose. But right.
1: <laughs> they play the Chiefs. The Chargers, the Chiefs. The Chargers, they yeah. win. <laughs> the notorious teams that have never won a playoff game. Mm. Um. Yeah, I'm. I'm surprised they don't just get like the Bengals in the playoffs somehow. And the Bengals
0: are the one of the only two teams the Texans can beat in the playoffs. So right, right. The the Bengals and the Raiders. Um,
1: yeah, the Connor Cook led Raiders.
0: <laughs> yeah, who Go will be board. Connor Cook will be playing in the XFL, correct?
1: Uh sure, probably. Yeah, he's a starting
0: QB in the XFL, I believe. For the New York Guardians, uh, also XFL
1: better be giving us like a media pass and flying us out for the first game or something.
0: Yeah, they they already spent all their money on Pat McAfee. Um, we're gonna have to do an XFL video very soon, Will, because that the starts the week after for that. the NFL.
1: Does it really start the week after? Yeah, the week after the Super Bowl. I think they should take a week off. Yeah, no although, shit. how good did it feel last year in February when we got that first AAF? night and got some, like those two games back to back. That was, that was awesome. The, yeah, no, it was great. I missed uh, the AAF. I thought it was pretty fun.
0: I did too. So hopefully the XFL is just as fun. We'll be covering that just as poorly as we did the AAF, but since nobody else was doing it, we were the experts. Yep. Uh, The XFL though, it seems like it's got big media much more behind it like ESPN's done updates on it felt like nobody talked about the AAF at all and that's why like my YouTube shit did so well with it
1: well yeah I mean Vince McMahon's probably I you know it's got to it's got to turn a profit eventually but he's got the money I think to subsidize it for a while yeah that makes sense which is you know we wish the AAF was still here they just weren't self-sufficient is the problem
0: Right. Um, okay. So, Bills, their defense right now tied in second with the Ravens uh, for second fewest passing uh, touchdowns at 15. Patriots, uh, number one. Will Fuller, questionable probably for this game with that groin injury. Uh, they do that have Kiki huge. Cutie, who usually, you know, steps up in that role, but if. Having Will Fuller healthy is important, I feel like, for the, the Texans offense. And then I felt like the the Texans weren't a great rushing team this season, but they were ninth just behind well, they, Buffalo and a thousand overall. yards
1: out of Carlos Hyde, like
0: Yeah, it's both teams kinda under the radar is just like I feel like gritty rushing teams where their quarterback I think helps because they're a threat to extend plays and yeah. in Josh Allen's case I I think he runs more than, than Deshaun Watson. Watson just scrambles for, like, days and then, you know, finds a way to make a fucking amazing throw. Um, but uh, who are you taking in this one?
1: This is tough. I still haven't made up my mind, so I'm going to have to.
0: Oh, yeah, Tredavious White, Buffalo's corner. Zero allowed touchdowns this season. So, man, I think he just edged out, like, Stefan Gil- Gilmore for the top corner on the year
1: you know what? I'm going to take the Bills. Why not? Yeah. I think this is the year of the road team. I'm going to
0: take Buffalo, too. I just think Houston, uh, a little more banged up than Buffalo, a little more unpredictable.
1: The Will Fuller Mm -hmm. thing is huge for me because he's like Tyreek Hill in that even if he's not, you know, making huge plays over the top, he requires so many different players to – uh, to keep an eye on him and it opens up things in the middle of the field.
0: Yeah. And it seems like if he DeAndre plays, Hopkins. he's not going to be healthy. So,
1: but he's still someone that, you know, you have to keep an eye on regardless of his health. Right. So just well, like send him deep a few times.
0: Oh, and our overall season picks, we yeah. finished with the tie.
1: <laughs> yeah. So this That's is crazy. important. Because we have 11 games to pick.
0: This is crazy. Okay. So Titans versus Patriots. Patriots, five point favorites at home. Uh, last time these two teams played, the Titans stomped them 34 to 10.
1: Oh, but that the Patriots with, didn't try. Yeah,
0: that was with Marcus Mariota
1: in November
0: of 2018. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, we all know he's been having an amazing run. Let me just get through his stats here. Uh, in 10 and a half games, 22 touchdowns, six picks, 2,700 passing yards a 70.3 completion percentage and uh, more than nine yards per attempt. The last quarterback to uh, do that was Joe Montana and 89 for the plus nine yards per attempt. And he finished with a league high passer rating of 117.3 plus Tannehill's beaten the Patriots four times.
1: Will, including that crazy miracle win uh, last year. I'm looking forward to this game. It's a it's a great matchup on paper. Knowing the Patriots, it'll they'll probably turn it into an unwatchable slugfest where you know eventually they just figure out how to run the ball, right. and make it super boring because they're, they're God's gift to the NFL and they just love to to fuck with us. But ah, I gotta take the Patriots in this one. I I just I love how the Titans are playing. I think they're one of the most fun teams to watch right now because it feels like they rip off a 50-yard touchdown every other play. They do. I mean,
0: A.J. Brown tied a. J. Brown Randy Moss for He's most-
1: legitimately might be uh, the rookie of the year. And I don't think – A.J. Brown? Yeah, I think he is.
0: I think, like, he's I'm the next like, Julio Jones.
1: Like, I don't dude. know if he's as fast as Julio or as, like – He's bigger, though.
0: He looks, pretty- like, he looks like a giant linebacker out there catching passes.
1: He does. And he looks like he's going slowly, but I think he's just fat. He's just too big. Okay, and, he got 1,000 yards on 52 receptions.
0: <laughs> yeah. He's, uh, like I said, he had those, he tied Randy Moss for most 50 plus yard receptions in a season. Uh, the Titans are just like a big physical team because Derrick Henry is a huge back. And, again, he doesn't look that fast, but he just rips off 50-plus yard – one of those a game as well. Um, I think New England's actually going to pass the ball a lot against the Titans. Uh, Tennessee's given up 25 passing touchdowns this season. Um, Uh, It it just feels like one of those games where they haven't passed well and maybe Tennessee is going to be a little susceptible to that. But I'm gonna take the Titans. I think Love
1: it. I really hope. I really hope that's the case.
0: And I think this is this is like the worst game for the Patriots to have had
1: Possibly. in the wild
0: card round. Like if they played Houston or Buffalo, I would take yeah. New England. But I think the Titans Matt, I think the Titans could be one of the best teams in the AFC. Uh, they just had such a shitty start to the season mm-hmm. that kind of set them back. The, however, the Tennessee Titans, notoriously, when they need a win, they lose. And yes. that was even when Ryan Tannehill was playing well this season; uh, they lost to the to the Texans the, in the first matchup. So that is my big fear: is that this is such an important game for. But they
1: don't lose big. Like there, it's always. No, they're just going to – a competitive game. Yeah, they like, not going to – Brian Tannehill hasn't had that one really bad game, which now that I'm saying it out loud makes me worry that it's going to be this one. He's going to
0: have, like, two picks and yeah. a fumble or some bullshit.
1: I just want to – you know, I just want a competitive Saturday night game to watch with the boys and, and just hopefully see some, some more 50-yard bombs to A.J. Brown and uh, some nice Derrick Henry runs.
0: Yeah. I just want to see the Patriots' defense get gashed.
1: Yeah. Um, and another interesting thing, obviously, we've got the Mike Vrabel connection, but uh, Tennessee's two cornerbacks are Malcolm Butler and Logan Ryan.
0: Yeah.
1: So Bunch we got a lot patriot of uh,
0: connections there.
1: A lot of connections there. Julian Edelman hasn't met himself. Uh, yeah, he's
0: been a little banged up.
1: Yeah, notoriously. Yeah, we talk about like how everybody's talking about how Tom Brady isn't having anyone to throw to you this year. It's like, well... Those are the same people who think Julian Edelman's a Hall of Famer. So you got him, uh, Mohamed Sanu, a guy they <laughs> traded for, uh, who was you know supposed to be one of the best uh, wide receivers on the market. Um, should have got spoiler, you should have gotten Emmanuel Sanders, but uh, John Elway was wise enough to deal him out of the yep. conference. Yep, um, oh, if
0: Sanders was there. That would, yeah, game oh, over. That'd be bad.
1: Yeah, um, thank God. Um, and, you, you know, you got a first-round wide receiver there who's honestly, like, he's played pretty well for a guy that came off of IR halfway through the season.
0: He's got, yeah, like, it's just been, like, touchdowns. one of those things where Brady's not playing as well, so he, he missed more throws than he usually does. And because there are different wide receivers and young wide receivers, they've been, like, dropping a ball every now and then. Yeah. Basically the same thing all other fucking teams deal with.
1: <laughs> right. The problem that I've heard is that um, – Oh, he's got – no, I take it back. He's got two touchdowns. I thought Whenever he
0: Brady misses, touchdowns. it's the receiver's fault.
1: Of course, yeah. It's because they ran the wrong route. But the thing is Brady is not comfortable enough with these new wide receivers um, to run the no huddle, which is, you know, their death offense. Right. That's how they put you away. So that that's big because they're such a rhythm offense. They don't just create big plays out of nowhere usually. It's just – it's wearing out the defense and, and being able to keep them from substituting. And if you can't do that, like that's really a problem for them, um, to which I say uh, too fucking bad. You should have taught them how to do that.
0: Yeah, too bad. Uh, you had one of the easiest schedules ever this season – the yep. special teams, outside of having some kicker issues, played better than I've seen any special teams unit. And you had an amazing defense. And you can only get a wild And you had a chance spot. to get a
1: first-round buy. <laughs> you had a chance to get a first-round buy, and you lost to the Miami. single worst roster in the NFL this season.
0: The Dolphins, man.
1: I think oh, that by game a wide was so margin. Did. It was. I was gonna yeah. take a.
0: Um, I was gonna take a break and not do a video Sunday night because we had like family over and mm-hmm. been a long season. And then that happened. I was like, "Fuck me, I got to talk <laughs> about this now." I have to. All right. So we're, you take Patriots, I take Titans. Then yep. we've got Minnesota uh, Vikings versus New Orleans Saints. Orleans. Saints are seven and a half point favorites. And uh, New Orleans hosting the Vikings. Uh, Alvin Kamara kind of had a a touchdown drought this season, but four touchdowns the last two weeks.
1: The year I decided to draft him in fantasy.
0: Right. Drew Brees uh, over the last four games, 75%. 75. 75.4% completions, 15 touchdowns, zero picks. Brees is playing crazy good right now. Uh, and Michael Thomas finished with the 149 receptions, so passing Harrison by six, 1725 yards, but just nine touchdowns, which made yeah. me—it just made me think of how impressive Peyton Manning's record-setting setting season was, because he had he had 10 touchdown passes to 10 or more to Julius Thomas, Demarius Thomas, Eric Decker, Wes Welker. And Wes Welker. They, yeah. they all have over 10 touchdowns that season?
1: Yeah, yeah. And then Noshaw Moreno had 10 total touchdowns.
0: Yeah, he had like – yeah, it was just insane.
1: Yeah, so there's um, like three to Andre Caldwell. I think a couple to Dreesen probably, maybe one to Tammy.
0: Yeah. Probably just, one to
1: Monte Ball or something. So. Just
0: crazy. Um, but the, right now I feel like the Saints are playing the best football in the NFC uh, – Drew Brees, is, yeah. he just feels like he is in sync with everything that's happening with their offense. Like, they just can't be stopped. And it reminded yeah, thought, me think, of when Peyton Manning was just on fire. Like, maybe their drive stalls a couple times, but they're going to score, like, four or five touchdowns every game is what it feels like.
1: And I don't know why the, the Antonio Brown thing was just so stupid. It, why would you fuck up with a thing that's – Uh, the thing that's going so, so well right now. Yeah, that's a good point. Why would you invite that onto your team in the most crucial stretch of the season?
0: And why would, why would Antonio Brown after the one team to even take a peek at him?
1: The most godless franchise in the NFL decided that he was too much.
0: And immediately after that, go on, go on and live stream and say it was a publicity stunt by the saints. Just like you can't not fuck up an opportunity, so no. um, Dalvin Cook is uh, going to play for Minnesota. That's I don't huge. know how healthy he is, but That's they need him back there. Only concern with the Saints, I feel like, is their passing defense. Uh, they have allowed 27 passing touchdowns this season, which is tied with uh, Philadelphia's secondary, and just 13 picks. So. The Vikings are a team that can definitely pass on New Orleans. If Minnesota has their run game going, this could be a really good game. Obviously, like Minnesota can compete with any bit. Their defense is good, but I'm going to take the Saints. I feel like the Saints are just playing too good of football right now.
1: Yeah, so on one hand, um, Kirk Cousins is really good morning games as opposed to really any other time of the day. However – since it is the playoffs and it's the only game on, it's technically a primetime game. Ooh. So, uh, you know, if, <laughs> it would be funny if they just moved this game to Monday night Monday. for some reason. <laughs> uh, but, no, I think this is the easiest game to pick for me. Um, I'm taking the Saints. Wow. <clears throat> All right, we both got the Saints. <laughs> the last
0: game is the Seahawks and Eagles, Seattle – uh, on the road, one and a half point favorites. Both of these teams—they're—they're they're, they're both like really injured. <laughs> they're both banged the fuck up. Uh, Seattle, surprisingly, uh, giving up the most passing yards per game for any of the teams in the the playoffs—two hundred sixty-three point nine yards—but uh, have allowed fewer passing touchdowns than the Saints. Jaredvian Clowney and Dwayne Brown both dealing with injuries. Not sure if they're going to play at this point. Uh, Seattle won the first game, 17 to nine, and, but they had 129 rushing yards in that game from Rashad Penny, who is on IR with Chris Carson. Marshawn Lynch is back. Uh, probably won't get any delay of game penalties this time around for the Seahawks. Carson Wentz, though, he's playing really good football. Zach Zach Ertz, not cleared to play. He's got a cracked rib and a lacerated fucking kidney. So, uh, I don't know. But Philadelphia and Dallas Godert can replace his production. It's just one of those games that probably will end up being the best game of all of these, but I expect the least from it.
1: I think it's going to be one of those. It's going to be basically like that Eagles-Bears game last year where it wasn't really a good game. Um, if you watch watch right. it for 50, 50 out of the sixty minutes, you know it wasn't a very entertaining game. But I think it'll be so ugly that it's going to stay close, and um, we'll have a pretty solid ending.
0: Yeah, it's like um, Philadelphia. I think is just grateful to be in the playoffs. <clears throat> Seattle, kind of. Yeah. I don't want to say they backed in, but they just had a lot of shit not go their way.
1: Yeah, not a great season end, not a great way to end the season uh, to lose the Cardinals and 49ers at home. Yeah. In weeks it's, sixteen and seventeen.
0: The losses, the injuries, like it just kinda piled up for, for Seattle. Um, when they, you know, they looked like they could be maybe one of the best teams in the NFC earlier in the year. Oh, God help me. God bless you. Um oh, man. I feel like Philly could upset them, but uh, I'm going to take Seattle.
1: I'm going to take – just because you took Seattle, I'm going to take the Eagles. I know I declared this the year of the road team and (laughs) picked only one road team to win Uh, and a team that I definitely won't pick (laughs) in the next round in the Bills. Uh, But um, the Saints will go on the road eventually. So, they're probably going to be my pick. Yeah, but I'll take the Eagles. Um, Fuck, I don't really want to, but I want to <laughs> make my pick different in So
0: It's all right. I mean, I, I kind of want, up. It's a toss I want up. Philly to win. Like, I too? like the Eagles more than the Seahawks. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just feel like it's crazy because, I mean, the Eagles are playing with house money. It's just like one of those games where they've, they really have nothing to
1: lose even though they're in the playoffs. Yeah, so, having nothing to lose and playing at home is very dangerous.
0: And having a, a head coach like Doug Peterson – who don't give a fuck. Like,
1: yes. On the pretty- flip side, however, believe it or not, this is Carson Wentz's first playoff game. It doesn't yeah. feel like it, but no. damn, it is his first playoff game for a team that won the Super Bowl and won a playoff game last year. I think that's pretty, pretty crazy.
0: I still think Doug Peterson's a, a really good head coach, but uh, with Frank Reich in Indianapolis, I feel like the Philly really missed his presence there. After
1: yes. The- and
0: uh, we, you and I have talked a lot about how much, like, how good of a job he's done in Indy, and with the Jacksonville Jaguars moving on with uh, Gardner Minshew, one
1: more think, percent, yeah.
0: And I, I, I believe Jacoby Brissett's under contract this year for like twenty million. I'm not saying it makes sense financially, it's that much, but. Um... Do you think Nick Foles would be better in Indy than Jacoby Brissett?
1: No, I think they'd – no, I'd, I'd roll with Brissett just because he was pretty competent for a long stretch this year. And a lot of the games they lost were with uh, Brian Hoyer, at quarterback. And someone else was playing quarterback for them. Like, who was it?
0: Uh, fuck. Somewhere I can't remember. I, I see him. But Indy, another team like – all of their skill positions got hurt this year, too.
1: So. Yes. T.Y. Hilton, who's kind of the, the linchpin of their offense, got hurt. Um, not much you can do. I don't think they're going to bring back Eric Ebron.
0: No, they said um, that today. They're moving on from him. Yeah. Uh,
1: and uh, that no, Andrew Luck's true. not unretiring. <laughs> Andrew Luck isn't uh, – nope. Um, yeah, no, the, the Drew LCK – quota has been filled by the NFL and there's simply no need for him anymore. That's right. I want, want Andrew Luck back. He's... I miss the, him. The NFL
0: before. is better with Andrew Luck in it. That's all there is to it.
1: Yeah, that fucking sucked. That was... Every,
0: like, everybody liked Andrew Luck.
1: Same yeah, way, everybody liked Peyton Manning pretty much. That's not true at all. <laughs> everybody did not like Peyton Manning. Most people liked Peyton. Uh, well, we'll have someone on the show next week who most decidedly did not like Peyton Ooh,
0: Interesting. in Adam Rake.
1: Good tease. And we're going to talk about it. Believe you, me. I have articles from the year 2014 that I've read from Adam Rake that I still think about. Oh, wow. Um, and I'm going to pull those and, and, <laughs> and ask, him, ask about him about it. About those and ask yeah. him, what the fuck was he smoking when he wrote this? <laughs> All right. He doesn't well, just like he doesn't just dislike Peyton Manning as a player, as a person as well. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, Terrific. we'll we'll
0: hopefully dig into that. I haven't locked him in. I was supposed to uh, talk to him today, but I've got too much shit to do. But he said he's down to do it next week. So that will be the plan. Uh, if I don't live up to it,
1: <laughs> we'll blame Adam Rank. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all
0: right. Enjoy your playoff weekend.
1: Yeah, have fun. It's a great weekend for sports. Bye.